special honor to have our missionaries with us, and uh, we're uh, grateful for how uh, God is at work all over the world, and uh, the Smith family are certainly some of our uh, special friends that we're truly honored to, uh, to partner with. So be praying for them, and be praying for the rest of our Lakes Free missionaries. We have missionaries literally all over the world. I like to say, you know, as the British Empire used to say, uh, the sun never sets on a Lakes Free Church missionary. We have, uh, we have men and women families serving all over the globe today, uh, and what a joy that is. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Great Freedoms, and today we move to uh, the second half of the Ten Commandments. Uh, remember, we've talked about how there are two tables of the law, two tables of the Ten Commandments, and by table, uh, people will say, well, what does that mean? Didn't God give, give the Ten Commandments in tablets? Well, he did. Theologians refer to the Ten Commandments as the tables of the law in the sense of uh, a table is an older term. Uh, you might be more familiar with the idea of a table of contents in the front of a book. Okay, a table is simply a systematized ordering of, of facts, okay, summarizing of facts. And so the tables of the law are the, the two sets of the Ten Commandments and our obligations that God gives us here in these Ten Commandments. We have our vertical obligations in the first table of the law. Those are the first four commandments, our obligations to God, to our Heavenly Father, uh, we shall have no other God besides him. We shall not create false idols. We shall honor the Lord's name in all areas of our lives. Last week, right, we, we concluded the, the first uh, table of the law talking about, our again, all of our obligations to our creator God. Now today, as we move into the second set, the, the, the second table of the law, now we start looking at our horizontal obligations. And our horizontal obligations are our obligations to our neighbors, all right, to, to the people in our lives. And, and we can't get the, the horizontal obligations right if we don't first get the vertical obligations right. We need to honor the Lord properly so that we can honor and love our fellow men and women properly. And so this is, this is now where we're moving. We're moving into the second table of the law. Now, the second table of the law begins with a foundational commandment. We can't love our neighbors properly if we don't get this first commandment right. And the first commandment has to do with honoring our father and our mother, honoring our parents. We're, we're going to be looking at this fifth commandment together today. As I was studying this week for this fifth commandment, I was looking through my bookshelf and all my resources on family and parenting and, and uh, God's plan for the home, and I came across a book that I discovered years ago in my grandparents' house. It was a book that one of my, one of my uncles was given as a teenage boy. It was a book published in 1974 by Zondervan, and it's titled Christian Boys' Problems. And uh, I've had this on my bookshelf. It's really interesting, you know, the, the, the teaching, the wisdom that people have imparted to, uh, to young people over the years. Uh, I turn in this book just out of curiosity, you know, to see what this book might have to say in regards to uh, this fifth commandment, honoring our father and mother. There's a chapter in this book, chapter six, titled Giving Dad and Mother a Square Deal. Okay, 1964, remember, Giving Dad and Mother a Square Deal. The chapter opens with this. Hiya, Mom, when do we eat? Said Jimmy, a lanky, sunburned 14-year-old who jumped out of his friend's stripped-down jalopy and raced into the house. About the only time I see you here anymore is at mealtimes. 
What is this, just a filling station, asked his mother good-humoredly, a smile twinkling across her smooth cheeks. That's a swell one, Mom, and I'll have to pass it on to the gang. Home's a filling station. <laughs> or a parking lot. Sometimes I think that's about all you boys care for your home. You're never here. Drop in for meals, race out to school, home just at sundown when we're ready to sit down at the table, gone again and back for a short trip to bed. What's this generation coming to anyway? Jimmy's mother hit a touchy spot in the life of a growing boy who's just beginning to feel his oats and decides that he's ready to break loose from the restraints of his parents. Christian boys take no such attitude toward home and parents. The first mark of a drifting boy is the fact that he cares little for association with his father and mother, his brothers and sisters. Well-bred Christian lads realize that the center of their rounded life is the home circle where parents instruct by example and precept. You know, it's really interesting. The, the times have changed. The language has changed. But the issues in the home, the struggles in the home between parents and young people, those haven't changed at all, have they? And the same things that moms desired for their young men back in 1964 are still, I would venture to guess, the same desires that all of you moms here this morning desire for your children. Respect, honor, gratitude, right? These are the fundamental things that, that all parents desire from the young people in their lives. And the reality is these have been age-old issues, age-old wrestlings. In fact, I saw a quote from another scholar this week, interesting quote, youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. Who was the scholar who shared that quote? That was the Greek philosopher Socrates <laughs> in 400 B.C. <laughs> Again, friends, the times may change, but the issues don't. The issues related to generations and young people wanting freedom and young, young people, you know, trying to set their own course in life and adults and elders caring about wanting to lead those young people well and teach them good manners and, and the way to live correctly, right? And, and there's this constant strain that comes in that dynamic. And it's been true. It has been true from the very first family in the world, from when Adam and Eve fell into sin Parents and generations behind them have struggled with issues of authority and respect and honor. And so it's no surprise that we would find God dealing with this issue as the very first foundational issue in his moral will for our lives, in the second table of God's law for his people. If we're going to honor others correctly in our lives, it begins first and foremost by honoring that foundational relationship, the relationship of the, in the home, the relationship between us and our parents, our fathers and our mothers. Exodus 20, 12, this fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now here, what we find, I mean, this is a short commandment. It's a short sentence. But what we find here, friends, really is God's game plan for relational wholeness in the home. 
Our sermon this morning is titled Freedom from Family Strife. How many of you guys would like freedom from family strife in your homes today, right? Every single one of us would, I'm sure. And this is God's, this is God's plan for relational wholeness in the home. We're going to talk about this this morning. God's plan for relational wholeness in the home begins, number one, with this command to honor your parents. Honor your parents. The word honor here, it's a word that we've already seen in our series here in the 10 Great Freedoms. We saw this word all the way back in the very first week when we looked at Exodus 19. Remember, an honor speaks to God's glory, his weightiness, his, his, his heaviness. Honor is the same word that we saw in Exodus 19 when God descended on Mount Sinai and it says the glory of the Lord came upon the mountain and the mountain was veiled in a cloud. And remember we talked about the reason why God veiled himself in a cloud is because his glory is so heavy and so powerful, so weighty, so significant that if anyone were to see him in his glory, they would literally die. And so God in his grace veiled his glory from the people of Israel. But, but the word honor here is the very same word. It's kabod in the Hebrew. It's, it, it, it has this connotation of heaviness, of weightiness. And so the very first thing that we need to understand as we set out looking at this commandment is that the title of mother and father designates an office of great significance. To be a mother, to be a father, this is a weighty thing. This is a, a heavy thing. There is honor involved in this. It's the same thing that we use to speak of God's glory. And friends, that should give us pause when we think about our relationship to our parents. Their, their office, their position is a weighty thing. Now, it's important to know, parents, we all know, we all fall short. We don't fulfill this role as parents perfectly. But understand, the honor that God commands here isn't based on our merit. It's based on the authority granted to parents by God. Parents should be honored because of the authority granted to them by God. Now, we're going to talk more a little bit later about how we apply this command in the difficult and often sad circumstances where parents abuse or neglect their authority. Right, Because we all know that there's situations like that in our world. What does it mean to honor our parents in those difficult situations? But for now, I want to continue by looking at the positive aspects of this commandment. What, what is God calling us to here when he says, honor your father and your mother? John Calvin, in his classic work, The Institutes of, Christian, of the Christian Religion, Calvin says that the command to honor our parents requires three things reverence, obedience, and gratitude. The command to honor our parents requires three things, reverence, obedience, and gratitude. I think that's a really good outline for us to consider as we think about what it means to honor our parents. What, what does it mean to revere or to treat our parents with reverence? Well, the word reverence means deep respect, and so, in other words, we should have an attitude and posture of deep respect towards our parents. God says in Leviticus 19, verse 3, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. Every one of you should have this attitude of deep respect, this posture of deep respect 
towards your mother and father. Now, why do we revere our mother and father? Well, let me suggest three reasons why this reverence is due our parents. Number one, it's due our parents because parenthood is grounded in creation. Parenthood, think about this, marriage and the family were the very first institutions ordained by God in creation. God, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God said to the man and woman, be fruitful and multiply. This was God's very first institution. It was God creating a man, creating a woman, bringing them together as one flesh and commanding them to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, create families. And so one of the reasons why we revere our parents is because parenthood goes all the way back to God's creation order. As we talked about last week, parenthood is a creation norm. It's one of God's fundamental building blocks for humanity. And so we are called to revere our parents because it was grounded in God's creation order, okay? Secondly, we revere our parents because parenthood is a reflection of God's very nature. Parenthood is a reflection of God's very nature. Genesis 1:26. then God said, let us make man in our image. Who is the we there that God is talking to, right? Who is the our he's talking to? This is God, the triune God, in his perfectly self-sufficient relationship within himself as one God existing eternally in three persons. God in his aseity, that's a fancy theological term, aseity, which simply means God is wholly content in himself. He doesn't need anyone else or anything else to be happy. He is self-contained in his joy and pleasure and blessedness and love. God is content, right? But part of God's nature is that God is a creative God. And why is God a creative God? Well, one of the reasons why is because God, in his aseity, his, his perfect sufficiency within himself, he has perfect love within himself. We see in passages like 1 John 4, verse 8, where we're told God is love. Right, And so God is dwelling eternally in this perfect self-sufficient love, a perfect love, and perfect love desires to share itself with others. And so God in his perfect love decides, look, it, I'm going to create and I'm going to allow my love to overflow into creation. And one of the ways that I'm going to overflow my love into creation is by letting my creation have a small taste of this very same creational love that I possess. And so God created man and woman, and he brings them together as one flesh. And, and in that union, we experience just a small glimpse of the perfect love that God expresses within himself for all of eternity. And think about this. Every time a baby is conceived, every time a baby is conceived, it's a small reflection of our creator's perfect whole self-sufficient love, a love that overflows in creation. And so again, one of the reasons why we're called to revere our parents is not only because this was God's first institution ordained in creation, but when we look to our parents, we're seeing a reflection of God himself and God's perfect love. Now again, not that our parents express that perfectly, 
But parenthood is a reflection of God in his creative love. The, the third reason why we're called to revere our parents, I believe, is because parenthood displays God's sovereignty. Our parents reveal God's sovereignty to us. Look at what King David says in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 16. David says to the Lord, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, God, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. David says, not only, God, did you knit me and form me in my mother's womb, but in your book, in the eternal book of life in the heavens, you had written out all of my days before one of them came to be. Now, what this means, friends, think about this. What this means is that who your parents are today are not, is not an accident. It's not a mistake. God had ordained from all of eternity the days of your life, including who your parents would be. All the good in them, all the bad in them, all the joys, all the struggles. God ordained your parents to be who they are today. And he ordains all aspects of our lives for our eternal good and his ultimate glory. And so think about this, friends. When we look to our parents, looking at our parents is an opportunity for us to say to God, Lord, I trust you. I trust you that you gave me exactly who you wanted me to have as my mom and dad. Good, bad, or ugly. Parenthood is an opportunity for us to trust our creator God. And so for all of these reasons, we are called to revere our parents. But the second obligation we have in honoring our parents, honoring our parents requires obedience. Obedience. Obedience means we do whatever our parents say as long as we're a part of their household. That's what obedience is. It means you do whatever your parents say as long as you're a part of their household. I often tell Caleb and Addie, look at Caleb, Addie, my kids. I say, when your mom, when your mom tells you to jump, your only proper response is how high. All right? Children are called to obey their parents. Now, of course, we shouldn't obey anything that doesn't align with God's will for our lives. Okay? If our parents command us or call us to do something that is sinful or immoral or evil, right, outside of God's will, we can obviously reject those commands. But in every other way, we are called to listen to and obey our parents. For you young people here this morning, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say about our obedience. Colossians 3, verse 20. Paul says, children, obey your parents in what? In everything, for this pleases the Lord. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The first reason and the primary reason why we seek to obey our parents is because it pleases the Lord. Now we're going to talk more a bit later about the blessing that God promises us when we obey our parents. But for now, you need to know God smiles on you when you obey your parents. Just imagine that. Reagan, when your mom says, hey, Reagan, I want you to clean your room. I want you to make your bed. When you honor your mother by obeying her, God smiles down on you. What an awesome privilege that is. 
right? When, when your mom or dad says, hey, Billy, will you take the trash out for us this morning? When you do that obediently, the God of heaven smiles down on you. When, when your mom and dad at, after the mealtime says, hey, can you go wash your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, right? God smiles on you when you honor your parents by obeying them. What a privilege that, that is to know that our obedience brings pleasure to God. Another reason why it's imperative that we learn to our, obey our parents is because the family is where God teaches us how to live in society. Think about this. I love this quote by the 19th century theologian Herman Bovink. Herman Bovink says this, a person's becoming human occurs within the home. Here the foundation is laid for the forming of a future man and woman, of the future father and mother, of the future member of society, of the future citizen, of the future subject of the kingdom of God. Bavink says we are trained, we learn to become human in the home. Friends, the home is where God teaches us about authority and submission. It's where we learn how to function in society, in school, at work, in church. God gives us parents to teach us how to become functioning and productive human beings. Earlier in my ministry as a pastor, I had the opportunity, I, I did a, a lot of prison ministry. I would speak fairly regularly over at the Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility for their, for their chapel services, for the inmates. And, and in the course of being involved in this prison ministry, I got to interact and know a lot of the men who were in the prisons there. And, and I tell you what, in talking to those men, one of the common denominators in all of their stories was that they never learned obedience in the home. They never learned to obey their parents in the home, and that filtered out into the rest of their lives. It's like the early church father, Augustine, once said. He says, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Young people, I want to encourage you this morning. Learn to obey your parents today. And I promise you, it'll save you from much misery tomorrow. Number three, honoring our parents requires gratitude. Honoring our parents requires gratitude. One of the most important ways we can honor our parents is by having an attitude of gratitude. Not a bad attitude, but an attitude of gratitude at home. Friends, I want you to think about this for a moment. Have you ever stopped to consider the debt of gratitude that you owe your parents? Ah, oh, what do I owe them? bringing you into the world, caring for you, providing for you, serving you, spending money on you, cleaning up after you, teaching you, guiding you. Do you want me to go on? If we're willing to be honest about it, we owe our parents a profound debt of gratitude. How could we ever truly repay our parents? Young people here, Really, not just young people, all of us. Let, let me share with you this morning two magic words that have the power to transform your relationship with your parents. Two magic words 
These words are absolutely incredible. You learn these two words, I promise you it'll change everything in your relationship at home. You know what those two words are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. I promise you, you learn those two words and it will revolutionize your relationship with your parents. So relational wholeness begins when we learn to honor our parents. That's, that's the first part of God's plan for relational wholeness in the home. But now I want to deal briefly with those challenging circumstances, those sad circumstances, those situations when parents are hard to honor. Because the reality is, in this fallen, broken world that we find ourselves in, not everybody gets a great mom and dad. Some get horrible moms and dads. And some have very difficult home situations. So what do we make of the fifth commandment in light of these circumstances? Well, let me just share a few thoughts with you this morning. How do we apply the fifth commandment in a broken world? Number one, I want to encourage you, friends, make sure you're looking for the lesson and not the loophole. See, that was the Pharisees' problem in the time of Jesus. The Pharisees, they were always looking for the loophole in God's laws. Their, their attitude was, I know this is what God commands me, but, but how can I get around it? Or how can I wiggle out of this? Make sure, number one, that you're looking for the lesson and not the loophole. And you can start by saying, God, even in my difficult circumstances, what do you want me to learn? What do you want to teach me about honoring my parents? Number two, honor doesn't necessitate blanket acceptance or compliance. This is important for you to understand if you're in a difficult home situation. God doesn't expect us to honor a person's sinful problems, plans, or proclamations. If you have a mom or dad in your life who is burdened by sins, habitual sins, negative sins, negative rebellious things against God's will that sometimes spill over into their relationships at home, their relationship with you. Friends, you don't need to honor their sinful problems, their plans, or their proclamations. Honor definitely doesn't mean accepting harmful circumstances. If you're a young person still at home and you're in an environment where you're dealing with abuse of any kind, emotional, physical, verbal, you need to get help. You need to talk to a trusted authority figure. You need to get yourself out of that situation because that's not part of honoring your parents. Number three, it's important to understand you can honor the position without condoning the production. You can honor your parents for their position without honoring the fruit or the produce of their actions. Okay, how does this work? It's just like the President of the United States, right? I can honor President Biden for his position as president. I can respect him and honor his authority as president, but that doesn't mean I have to cheer and celebrate all of his ungodly proclamations and decisions. Okay? And it's the same thing with our parents. We can honor them for their position without honoring their production. Well, what does that look like? Honor here will look differently in different circumstances. But how do you honor your parents in those situations? How about this? You can pray for them. We can all pray for our parents. 
We can commit to not speaking disparagingly of them. That's one way to honor them. We can care for them in their times of need. We can provide financial assistance if necessary, right? There's lots of different ways, and again, the circumstances might look different for all of us, but there's many ways that we can honor our parents for their position without necessarily having to honor the production. Lastly, I want to encourage you, number four, put your hope in a perfect father. Some of you here this morning come out of bad family relationships. I get that. But God has a word of encouragement for you this morning. The psalmist in Psalm 27 verse 10 says this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Friends, we have a perfect father in heaven. And no matter how far short your earthly parents fell, there is a God in heaven who loves you, who promises that if you come to him, he will embrace you with open arms. And he will adopt you as a child of God, bringing you into his family, into his loving presence forevermore. I love how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans chapter 8. Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if our perfect Father in heaven is for us, who can be against us? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of our perfect Father in heaven, our God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, if you come out of a difficult home situation, you need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you, a perfect heavenly Father who promises you his eternal love. I pray that you'll run to him. Now I want to return to the positive application of this fifth commandment. And that leads us to point number two this morning. God's plan for relational wholeness in the home. The second point is we need to hope in God's promise. Hope in God's promise. What is God's promise? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, one of the unique aspects of this fifth commandment is that it is the only command of the ten that includes a direct promise of blessing from the Lord for those who keep it. Did, did you maybe notice that as we read through the Ten Commandments? The fifth commandment is the only one out of the ten that promises a direct blessing from God for those who keep it. Let me read this again for us. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Why? Here's the promise that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That your days may be long in the land. Now that term there, long in the land, is a term that's found throughout the Old Testament. This isn't a promise about longevity. It, it may look like that at face value, but this isn't about, I'm going to guarantee you a long life if you honor your father and mother. To live long in the land is a promise of abundance. It's a promise of God's blessing. It's, an, it's analogous to Jesus' promise in John 10.10 10, where Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. 
right? God isn't promising us here health, wealth, and prosperity if we honor our parents. What he is promising you is his shalom, his peace, his joy, his security, his contentment, and experience of his love, the assurance of his promises, right? All of those blessings that are ours when we follow the Lord. God says, look, at if you honor your father and mother, you will be blessed. Now, friends, I want you to think about how awesome this is. God doesn't say here, do this or else. He says, do this and be blessed. Now, that's motivation, right? This, this isn't a, you better honor your father and mother. No, this is honor your father and mother, and I promise heaven will smile down upon you, and you will live long in the land, and you will experience God's blessing in your life. And friends, obviously, when God makes a promise like this, we should probably pay attention to it. And we should probably learn from others who have experienced it. People like uh, King Solomon, right? King Solomon. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 6. Solomon says this about honoring our father and mother. My son, keep your father's commandment. And forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Friends, Listen to your parents. Honor what your parents have to say. Young people, there is much wisdom to be gained from our parents and our grandparents and the elders that God places in our lives. Let me encourage you this morning, embrace that wisdom with gratitude. Put it into practice, and you too will begin to see the fruit of God's blessing in your lives. That's God's promise to us. Right, so we honor our parents. Number two, we hope in God's promise. Thirdly, God's plan for relational wholeness in the home. We need to harness God's provision. Now, friends, I want you to think about this this morning. The bottom line in this whole command is simply this. If honoring our parents was an easy thing to do, God wouldn't have had to command us to do it, right? But it's not easy. And why isn't it easy? It's not easy because we're sinners, we are rebellious people. We all desire to do life our way and not God's way. And so God needs to remind us occasionally, look it, do this. This is good for you. Honor your father and mother. But the reality is we all fall short. And so here again we find the Ten Commandments driving us to God and his amazing grace for help. Friends, what is our hope for keeping the fifth commandment? The only hope I know of is Jesus. How are we going to honor our parents faithfully? The only way I know to do this is by looking to Jesus. And so we look to God's provision in Jesus. And so we look to his model and we trust in Jesus. We, we look to his grace. We rely on Jesus. We, we look to his power, the spirit of Christ within us. That allows us to live out God's laws and obedience. But it's only by putting Jesus at the core, at the center, that we can truly live out this fifth commandment. And so friends, I want to encourage you this morning. You need to embrace Christ. And you need to first and foremost put him on the throne of your heart. 
if you as an individual ever have any hope of honoring your parents. And then you need to put Jesus, moms and dads, at the center of your marriage relationship. Because if Christ isn't the center, if Christ isn't the glue, man, you are fighting an uphill battle. Not just an uphill battle to stick together in fidelity, but to honor God as a family and parent well. And to grow in love. You need to put Jesus at the center of your relationship. And then, after Jesus is on the throne of your heart and at the center of your relationship, you need to put him right in the center of your home. Let him take up residency right there in the center of your home. And friends, I promise you, that is when you will begin to experience relational wholeness and freedom from family strife. It's by keeping Jesus number one in all things and in all ways. And he will help you. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the wisdom you've given us in your word and the guidance and counsel you've given us, especially related to the issue of honoring our parents. And we know that it is a struggle. We know that it is hard. But Lord, by your amazing grace, we can do it. We can do it when we put you at the center of our lives, in the center of our marriages, in the center of our homes. And so, Lord, I pray that we would rely on you each and every day, that we would look to your model, that we would fall back into your loving arms of amazing grace, that we would seek your empowerment each and every day to live this out faithfully so that we might experience relational wholeness in our home and freedom from the strife that plagues so many families in our world today. Jesus, we thank you for being a great and faithful God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, would you please stand for our benediction this morning? It comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. And now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you and have a great week.